Father, we thank you that we are able to partner with one another to see and, and endeavor to see the work of Jesus Christ made great, made known, bringing glory to you and good to people through partnerships in this community. Lord, our desire is that every man, woman, and child in Brevard County, all 600,000, that in our lifetime, every man, woman, and child would have a repeated opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus because we as your people, partnering together by the power of your spirit, would take the gospel to them where we live, work, learn, and pray. And Lord, I thank you for these specific ministries, for Agape Women's Center, for Canaveral Port Ministry, for Merritt Island Christian School. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for the work that you're doing in each of them, God, to make Christ's name great. And so I pray for these leaders. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would do a work in each, each place that has unique needs, ministering to unique individuals. Lord, I, I do pray that, Father, you give the leadership wisdom and discernment. Give a stirring in the hearts of people even this morning to step into these ministries. Be filled with your spirit to make Jesus known. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. So, God, thank you. Thank you for Agape Women's Center. Lord, thank you. I thank you, Father, for Canaveral Port Ministry. We thank you, God, for House of Hope. We thank you for Merritt Island Christian School. And we look forward to seeing what you will do among us until Jesus comes again to make Jesus known to the people of this community. Lord, we love you. We ask blessing over our time of study. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, would you show your appreciation to our partners? Thank you, guys. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6 to our next uh, passage of scripture in our study of the gospel of Mark. We're just going to stay in to the next passage we would be in, uh, in this verse by verse study, because I believe it is a really good word for us on uh, our part in the local mission of Jesus in this community. Matthew or Mark chapter 9. And since this morning, though, is about the mission of Jesus Christ and us living on mission with Jesus, I do want to take just a moment to reinforce and reemphasize what we mean by the mission of Jesus Christ. And so the mission of Jesus is about something. It's about someone. As a matter of fact, in the next chapter of Mark, Mark chapter 10, we actually find Jesus sharing with us a, a synopsis of sorts of his mission on the earth. Uh, we'll probably get to chapter 10 sometime before Christmas, maybe, maybe. But Mark chapter 10 uh, actually says this in verse 45, Christ says, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see it there? Jesus says, I came to this world on a mission, on a mission, not to be served, but to serve the people of this world. Jesus came to earth to serve the people of this world. And how did he serve the people of this world? By giving his life away. By giving his life as a ransom for many, he says. That word ransom means the price of release. And what you need to know is that the Bible teaches that from the very beginning of creation, 
Mankind has chosen to sin. Adam and Eve chose to sin against God. And when they sinned against God, their hearts and the hearts of every human being afterwards became captive to the curse of sin. So men, women, and children are born into this world in captivity to sin. And that's why Jesus came. He came to pay the price for our release so that we could be freed and liberated from the curse of sin to a life that is filled with the abundant, eternal power of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom to set men free, women free, children free from the curse of sin. That was the mission Jesus came to this world to fulfill. And that is the mission Jesus invites us to be a part of. We are invited to join Jesus on a mission to the people of this world to make known the good news about Christ, that Christ indeed has come and by his life, death, and resurrection power, he is able to set people free from the curse of sin to a resurrected, abundant, eternal life in him. That's what we mean by the mission of Jesus, a work Jesus has accomplished at his cross and empty grave that he desires to make known through his people to every tribe and tongue and nation around this world. And our passage of scripture this morning is a great reminder of why that mission of living on mission with Jesus is so important. Let me show you what I mean. Mark chapter 9, and we'll read verses 14 through 29. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great multitude or a crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him immediately, it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This is the word of God for us this morning. I want to walk through this passage and show you. This is a great text of scripture 
on why it's so important for us, why it matters so much for us to live on mission with Jesus. So let's start from the beginning. And I want to remind you that last week what we saw is that Jesus went up to a high mountain with three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. And on that mountain, he was changed in appearance to display his glory as the Son of God. Well, in our passage today, we find it beginning with those men with Jesus, those three men and Jesus coming down from the mountain and joining the other disciples who had not been on the Mount of Transfiguration. Verse 14 says that Jesus actually found the disciples in a big crowd arguing with some of the religious leaders. Mark doesn't record the details of their argument, but what you do see is that they were at some level arguing about the fact that the disciples were not able to cast out this demonic spirit from a young boy. You see, the father had tried to bring his son to Jesus, but when he came, Jesus was up on the mountain of transfiguration, and so the other disciples were there to receive this child and his dad. And they attempted by their power to cast the demon out themselves. But here's what we do know. We do know that they weren't able to do it. Right? You guys saw that. The disciples had attempted to, but they were unable to cast this demon out themselves. I want you to keep that in mind. That's really important. We'll come back to that. As a matter of fact, at some point, it seems like the religious leaders had gotten involved and maybe they had tried to cast this demonic spirit out. That may be what they were arguing about, how to cast a demon out. But the one thing we do know is clear is those religious leaders couldn't cast that demonic spirit out. So the father couldn't do it. The son couldn't do it for himself. The religious leaders couldn't do it for the boy. And not even the disciples of Jesus could do it. And so no one is able to cast this demonic spirit out until finally Jesus arrives on the scene He starts to talk to the people who were assembled around this this young boy. And finally, he turns to the father. And he and the father have a conversation. How long has this been happening? What all is going on? And, And finally, the father, after this conversation, just turns to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, if you can do anything. Jesus, if you can do anything to help us. We've tried everything. And I can't. I can't live like this anymore. I can't watch my boy go through this every single day for the rest of his life. Jesus, you can hear his exasperation. Jesus, if you can do anything, will you please have compassion on us? Some of y'all feel that way this morning. Some of y'all identify with that. You're in this place of powerlessness, this place of darkness, this place of helplessness. And you come even to this place saying, Jesus, if you could do anything, like I've tried everything. If if you could do anything, would you please help? And I, I love what Jesus says in response. Verse 23, he says this, Jesus said, if you can, he's quoting the dad, right? He says, if you can, notice what he says next, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Y'all identify with that too, right? This is one of those great, powerful passages of scripture. All things are possible. 
for one who believes. This is also one of the most ripped out of context passages in the entire Bible. It's right up there with all things work together for good. And I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Things we put on the journals of graduates graduating high school and we don't mention the context of what Jesus actually means. There are a lot of people who take that phrase that anything is possible for one who believes to basically seem like Jesus is saying, all you have to do is have faith. All you have to do is believe in order to make something happen. As a matter of fact, our world really likes this phrase. They use it out of context all the time as if faith itself is the only thing that's necessary for a person to achieve the impossible. Our world says stuff like this. If you just believe You can do anything. Anything's possible for you if you'll just believe. You can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. Listen, athletes, you can dunk a basketball if you'll just believe. You can run a mile in under four minutes if you just believe. You can become a millionaire if you just believe. All you have to do is believe. There's a theological term for that. You want to know it? It's called hogwash. (laughs) That is not what Jesus is saying here. He's not calling us to have faith in faith. To just say you can believe whatever you want to believe, but as long as you believe and your belief is sincere, you can do anything you want to do. You can be anything you want to be. You can't do that. You can't be that. That's not what Jesus is saying. What's going on here? Remember what's happening. Jesus is responding to this guy's statement. He had just said, Jesus, if you can do anything about this, what's in question here? is the power and the ability of Jesus. This is a question about who Jesus is and what Jesus is able to do. And what Jesus is saying in response is a statement about himself, not a statement about generic faith. He's saying, there's no if, ands, or buts about me. I am God in the flesh. I can do what is impossible for everyone else in the entire world. And you can experience my impossible power if you will trust, have faith, and believe in me. Guys, Jesus isn't calling us to have faith in faith. Jesus is calling us to have faith in him. In a person who is truth in the flesh. This isn't some ambiguous, generic call to trust in your ability to believe. This is a call to believe and trust in Jesus' ability to save and rescue and redeem. To trust that Jesus has the power to do what you can't do. To trust that Jesus knows what's best in every circumstance of life. To believe everything that he has to say is absolutely true. This is a call to have faith in Jesus. And I love how the dad responds. I believe. And I don't really always believe. I know that feeling. Because there's an entire sermon in just that phrase. Here's a dad who says, I believe. I, I brought my son to you, Jesus. Because I believe. I believe nobody else can do it. I've tried it all and I believe that you can. That's why I brought my son to you in the first place. I believe. But then he's honest in the moment and says, and and at the same time, Jesus, I know you know this. As much as I believe, there are times where I struggle to believe. 
And you all feel that way? Oh, yeah. You say, I believe. That's why I'm here. I can't deny that Jesus is the Lord. He is God in the flesh. I can't deny those things because I believe him. And yet I wake up in the morning and there's this thing in me that stirs my heart to be anxious, to struggle with doubt, this place of unbelief. And this father brings all of that to Jesus. Why? Because he believes that Jesus can do something about all of that. I love this picture. This father has faith But his faith isn't in his perfect faith in the Savior. His faith is that he has a perfect Savior. Who is stronger than his places of doubt and unbelief. And so he comes to a perfect Savior with imperfect faith. And says, Jesus, you've got to do what I can't do. Even in the places of my heart that struggle at times. That doubt at times. That stumble at times. He says, I believe you. You can do this. And in my heart, I know I struggle sometimes to believe in Jesus. Would you do something about that? How does Jesus respond to that kind of person? He has compassion on them. And I want to encourage you to come to Jesus even in your unbelief today. Even those places that say, I'm struggling to believe this promise or I'm struggling to trust you with this scenario. And just lay that down and say, Jesus, I believe that only you can do something about that. Even those places of my heart where I don't fully believe or perfectly believe, I'm asking you to do something about that. What does Jesus do? He heals the boy by casting out the demonic spirit. And guys, that is really what the big picture is of this. The the primary thought, one of the primary thoughts of this text is that Jesus can rescue people from the power of spiritual darkness. Jesus can rescue people from the power of spiritual darkness. Guys, this story we don't want to miss in all of these beautiful, powerful details. What is right here at the very front, the leading edge of this story This is an illustration, an example of the truth that Jesus can rescue people from the power of spiritual darkness. But there's another word, guys, that we have to add into that primary thought to turn it into the big idea for this text. Because our passage of scripture isn't just highlighting that Jesus can rescue people from the power of spiritual darkness. There's something else. I actually cued you in on it a few minutes ago and said, hey, remember this. Don't forget this. I'm going to come back to this. I wonder how many of you remember that. None of you. That's okay. I'll remind you. Here's the word we have to add. The word only. Only. The big idea of this passage isn't just that Jesus can rescue people from the power of spiritual darkness. It's that only Jesus can rescue people from the power of spiritual darkness. I hope you noticed No one could save this boy who was trapped in spiritual darkness. The boy couldn't save himself. The dad couldn't save the boy. The spiritual leaders couldn't save the boy. The disciples of Jesus couldn't even save the boy. There's only one hero in this story who could rescue people from the power of spiritual darkness. And his name is Jesus. Only Jesus can rescue people from the power of spiritual darkness. Do you know what that means? It means there is no message more important in all of this world for people to hear than the message that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and only He can rescue from the power of spiritual darkness. You see, the greatest problem in our world today is that every man, woman, and child 
is living in their nature under the power of spiritual darkness because of their own sin. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. The Apostle Paul writes and describes our condition apart from Jesus. And he says this, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world. You want to know what direction this world is going? It's this one right here. The course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. Who's all there? All. All (laughs) y'all. We all, this is true about every man, woman, and child, apart from Christ, naturally, we all were in this state because of our sin. We lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, our natural birth, this is how we come into the world, by nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You see what the Bible's saying? Because of sin, sin, that is passed down from parents to children from our first parents, Adam and Eve, the people of this world are born as captives to the powers of spiritual darkness and the slavery of their own sin. Guys, this is really important for us to remember. Uh, we, we, We cannot become deceived or deluded or distracted from this essential spiritual truth. The problem with our world is not a political problem. Now, I know you all know we've got some political problems, right? But the problem with our world is not a political problem. You know what that means? Here's what that means. It means the solution to our problems isn't a political solution. We're going to want to remember that over the next year or so. It's not a solution to the world's problems. The problem with our world isn't a social problem, which means the solution to our problems isn't social justice. The problem with our world isn't a physical or a financial problem, which means the solution to our problems isn't found in meeting the felt needs, physical or financial, of humanity. The problem with our world is not an intellectual problem. That means the solution to our problems is not more education. Guys, those things have their good and rightful place. We actually brought leaders of ministries that we as a church feel are essential in reaching people in this community with the gospel of of Jesus Christ. And they meet felt needs and they help with social issues and they walk into the the, the place of of, of education and they bring about uh, an intellectual development in the lives of children through Merritt Island Christian School. Those Those things have a place in our lives and our community, but we have to be abundantly clear. None of those things offer the solution to the deepest problem in our world today. Because the problem with our world today is this. People have sinned against a holy God and are held captive to the prince of the power of spiritual darkness, the enemy of God and their souls. That's why we need Jesus. And only Jesus 
can rescue people from the power of spiritual darkness. He came on a mission to set people free. He gave his life on the cross to ransom us, to pay a price by his shed blood that would provide for the forgiveness of our sin, our restoration to God, and freedom to live an abundant, eternal life through Jesus. Jesus is the hope, and he is the only hope of every man, woman, and child. Guys, that is why the mission matters. There are 600,000 people in Brevard County. There are over 20 million people in the state of Florida. There are over 330 million people in the United States of America. There are almost 8 billion people on planet Earth. And the vast majority of every one of those people are held captive to the spiritual bondage that is the result of their sin It's caused them to walk according to the course of this world and the darkness of this present age through the influence of Satan himself. And there's only one person who can rescue those people from the power of spiritual darkness. What's his name, church? His name is Jesus. Our mission is to make Jesus known to our neighbors and to the nations, and it matters because only Jesus can save people who are trapped and held captive to their sin. And there will not be anything else in this whole world. And there will not be any message There will not be any program or initiative or power in this world that will offer hope to people apart from Jesus because there is no hope for people apart from Jesus. And this is as good a time as any for me to address the fact that some have come into this room this morning trapped in your own sin. The reality is there are some of you I believe God is stirring your heart to recognize that you have been trapped in your own sin and you are separated from the life of God, the life that only Jesus can bring. And you need to turn to Jesus because he is your only hope. Do not leave this place today without knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Friend, Jesus came to rescue you. And I believe you are in this place or maybe watching us online because Jesus has an appointment for you. He desires to set you free today. He desires to work a miracle in you today as you would turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I am a sinner and I am captive and I can't save myself, but I believe. I believe you came To rescue me through your perfect life and your sacrificial death on the cross. And I believe you rose again from the dead so that you could raise me up to a brand new life. Some of you need to pray that prayer. Call on Jesus for the very first time and be born again and set free by the power of Jesus. At the close of this service, I will be down front with our other pastors and prayer partners. We would love to talk with you more about your relationship with Jesus so that you could know without a shadow of a doubt that you are forgiven of your sin, restored to God as your father, that heaven is your home, and you have an eternal destiny of glory in Christ. Do not leave this place, friend, 
without knowing Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And it isn't that you would have perfect faith. You may say, I walked in with doubts, and not all of those are all resolved. You are not placing perfect faith in a Savior. You're called to place faith in a perfect Savior. So call on Jesus today. Only Jesus can rescue people. From the powers of spiritual darkness. That's the primary thing we see in our text this morning. It tells us why the mission of Jesus matters to our neighbors and to the nations. And in the time left, here's what I want to do. I want to walk through this passage and show you two practical things we see about how we can take part in the mission of Christ. How Jesus has made a way for us to have a critical role. And how it is that he will rescue people from the power of spiritual darkness. Here's the first thing we see. We have an ability to take part in Christ's mission as we bring people to Jesus. Bring people to Jesus. Read verse 17. It says, and someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you. Down in verse 19. And he answered them, oh, faithless generation How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. Guys, don't overlook details like this in the Bible. How did this boy who needed the saving, healing, rescuing power of Jesus encounter the power of Jesus? People brought him to Jesus. Right? This is a crucial part of the story. You see, God has ordained that the way the people of this world will encounter the saving power of Jesus is primarily through the lives of other people who bring them to Jesus. Guys, that's not just in this story. This is everywhere in the Gospels. You want me to prove it to you? Good, I will. I came prepared. Let me show you a few verses that are just illustrations of this. I could go on and on. Matthew 4, 24 says this. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And notice this. And they brought him, all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Matthew eight sixteen. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. How did they get there? People brought them to him. Mark or Matthew chapter twelve, verse twenty two. Then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was look at that phrase brought to him and he healed him so the man spoke and saw mark chapter 1 verses 32 through 34 that evening at sundown they a group of people brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons and the whole city was gathered together at the door and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons mark chapter 2 verses 3 through 5 and they came notice this bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Need I say more? You see a pattern there? God has ordained that the way people primarily will encounter the power of Jesus is through people who bring others to Jesus. Guys, that's our mission. That's your mission. Jesus doesn't just want to do a mighty work of power in your life. 
Yes, he wants to do a mighty work of power in your life. Yes, he wants to heal and transform and raise you up to a brand new life. But he doesn't just want to do a work in you. He wants to do a work through you to the people around you. And guys, that's not supposed to make you feel guilty. We said, oh, now I've got this, this guilty pressure to bring other people to Jesus this, this new task that I feel overwhelmed at doing, that's not to make you feel guilty. This is a, an invitation to make you feel invigorated. How much would you love to live your life? And I know we talk about this all the time, but how much would you love to live your life as a front row seat to see Jesus work over and over and over again with miraculous power in the lives of people around you. Anybody here ever wish they had experienced what it was like to live with Jesus while he was at work on the earth? Have you ever felt that way? Anybody? Anybody? You ever read these stories like, man, I'd have loved to have been there when he fed those 5,000. You ever want to do that? Do you wish you had that front row seat to watch Jesus work on the, on the, on the earth? Well, guess what? You can. Because Jesus is still working on planet Earth. And he desires to give you. He desires to give you, wherever you may be, a front row seat to see his power transform people. How many of y'all would like to sign up for that? Well, good, because we've got a list, a sign-up sheet in the lobby. For you to sign up. That's what Christ is calling us to do. He's saying, I want to pour my power out into the lives of people who I desire to rescue and transform by my work, by my power. And he's inviting you to be a part of it, to bring people to Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do a couple very practical things As a part of saying yes to that invitation. I want to encourage you to come back tonight at four. I want to encourage you to hear how you can be involved in this community. To to partners who've come together to ask Jesus to work. Every single week. We hear stories about how Jesus is working through Agape Women's Center. In some of the darkest places of this community, the light of Christ is shining and delivering people from sexual slavery, from from human trafficking, from some of the darkest things in our world. Every week, Jesus is doing that. Wouldn't you love to see it? Well, you can. Come back. Hear how you could be a part of Agape Women's Center. Canaveral Port Ministry, the nations are coming to us. There are people who are originally from closed countries. Nations where you cannot enter as a Christian to try and make more Christians. It's illegal to do that. Some places where it's a capital crime to do that. Some people from those types of nations are coming here and they're being, they're being brought to us by God so we can share the gospel of Jesus so they can go back to their homeland that's closed with the gospel and they can be light and salt and testimony, witness to Jesus there. Come be a part of Canaveral Port Ministry, House of Hope. We see Jesus miraculously work through House of Hope every single week, not just in meeting felt needs, but allowing us to use groceries, something as simple as food and some clothes, every now and then a bicycle to Reach people with the love of Christ that opens their heart to the transformational power of Jesus. Merritt Island Christian School. People, and I want to say this too loudly, people are paying us to teach their kids about Jesus. That's a deal. 
They're looking for a place where not only can high level education be given, but that children, boys and girls, from preschool to graduation can be discipled in the name of Jesus. And many, many of those families are not practicing believers in their homes. We are given the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. You want a front row seat to see Jesus work? Get engaged to where we can see Jesus work through partner ministries like the ones that we've highlighted. Come back today, four o'clock. All right, that's not a commercial. That's an invitation I pray the Holy Spirit would lay in your heart. You have a place in the mission of Jesus. I want to encourage you to be a part of those partner missions, but I also want to encourage you to live on personal mission. I want to encourage you to adopt a strategy that we call Who's Your One? Who's Your One is just a, a simple way for us to be intentional about living on mission to the people in our lives who are far from God but are close to us. In the foyer, uh, there's a display that says, who's your one? And on that display, you'll see all these little medallions that have the number one on those. Those represent people in our church family who are saying, there's someone in my life. I can name their name. God has brought them into my life who's far from God. They need Jesus, but they're close to me. They're where I live in my neighborhood. They're where I work. They're where I learn in my school. They're where I play in a golf league or at some community activity. These are the people who are far from God, but they're right there next to me every week. And I've got one person I'm relating to intentionally to share the love of Jesus Christ. If you don't have one in your life, would you pray today that God will lay someone on your heart? That you would start a mission. That you'd live your life literally on a mission. To share the love of Jesus Christ and ask God to open up doors for you to bring that person to Jesus by telling them about the good news of Jesus. As a matter of fact, as you pass by that on your way out, I hope you'll really look at it in a fresh way. Underneath those ones, we hang little medallions that have a red cross on it. That cross represents a time that someone in this church has been able to have a gospel conversation with one of their ones. Where they've been able to tell them about Jesus and for some of you who say, I do have one, but I have sort of stepped back from praying and living intentionally toward that one, would you ask God to give you an opportunity this week to tell your one about Jesus or to tell someone about Jesus? And underneath those crosses are medallions sometimes that we're able to hang, and you'll see them, and I hope you'll rejoice as you see them going out. Where you can see in this last year or so that that medallion that, that's a heart underneath the cross. So you have a one, you have a cross, you have a heart. That, that heart medallion represents individuals who've heard the gospel and they've placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And their heart has been liberated from the powers of spiritual darkness. And I love seeing those hearts multiply on that who's your one display. Would you say yes to Jesus by stepping into a personal mission? Uh, of, of, of living intentionally to someone in your life. Maybe today you just need to ask God, who is my one? Who is my one? And how are you calling me to also partner with others to bring people to Jesus? And as we close, let me just show you the other thing that our text teaches us about how we can engage in the mission of Jesus. We bring people to Jesus. Uh, the second thing is this, we pray for Jesus to rescue people. Look at verse 28. It says this, when he had entered the house, his disciples, as they had tried to cast this demon out and were unable, they asked him privately, uh, why, why could we not cast it out? 
And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Okay, I believe this is pretty straightforward. Jesus rescues this little boy from the power of spiritual darkness. And the disciples are left scratching their heads because they had just tried to do it but were unable to do it. And they couldn't understand, why can't we do this? Like, why can't we do this? We've seen Jesus do it all throughout his earthly ministry. Why can't we do it? And Jesus says, listen, it's only through prayer that the power of spiritual darkness can be broken. Don't overcomplicate what he's saying. The disciples are wondering why they couldn't do it. Do you see the problem there? Here's the problem. They're asking, why can't we do it, Jesus? You know what basically Jesus responds with? He basically says this. If you're wondering why you can't do it, it's because you can't do it. You can't do it. He said, only I can do it. It's the big idea of the text. You can't do it. Only I can do it. So here's what he says. So ask me to do it. Pray. As if there's one practical thing I hope will change about our lives this morning as we say yes to the mission of Christ, it's this. My hope is that we would begin to passionately and consistently pray for Jesus to save people. When we're tempted to complain about the darkness of this culture, anybody tempted to complain about the darkness of the culture? What would it look like if you stopped the complaining and started the praying? What if when you encounter the darkness and the brokenness of our community, anybody ever walk out these doors and encounter the darkness and brokenness of the community? Some of y'all can't even get to the foyer without it, right? What happened if you had stopped being angry and started being prayerful and said, Jesus, save. Jesus, rescue. Jesus, do a work that only you can do. I'm going to touch on this again next week. I plan on sharing more about how we can pray and engage in prayer for the nations. But what would it look like if we were people who left this place? And even before we left this place, we will do it. And we prayed for the people in our life that we know who are far from God but close to us to be saved by the power of Jesus Christ. Friend, the power to live on mission is only experienced by people who know they don't have the power to to save. So they ask Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. Did you know that you can't save anyone? The rest of y'all need to know something. You can't save anyone. And when Jesus is calling you to live on mission, he's not calling you to replace him on mission. Only Jesus can do What only Jesus can do. You can't save anyone. Your family, your friends, your co-workers, your classmates, your neighbors. You can't save anyone. Let's go over that really quickly again, class. Who can you save? No No one. You might be a great family member. You might be a great co-worker. You may be a great classmate. You may be a really good neighbor. Let me tell you this. You stink as a savior. You're just awful at it. That's why God gave us Jesus. And as you live on mission, one of the most important things to be sealed in your heart is this. I can't save anyone, but Jesus can. 
So I'm going to ask Jesus to save. You know, I got an awesome message this last week from a, a friend of mine named Rick Call. Some of you all know Rick. He and his wife, Lucianne, were members of our church for quite a few years. Um, just in the last couple of years, they've moved out of state. Well, Rick was here when, um, when we first unveiled the Who's Your One uh, campaign. And at the time, we actually called it uh, Who's Your Five it was about seven or eight years ago. We had a lot higher expectations for membership back then. It was who's your five. We've reduced that down in this day and age to who's your one. But uh, he, he said yes to that, that, that challenge to pray and relate for five people in his life who needed Jesus. And all of these years, Rick's been asking Jesus to save his five and asking Jesus how he could step in to bring those people to Jesus or at least be part of sharing Jesus with them. As a matter of fact, uh, last couple years, Jesus put it on Rick's heart to write a letter to each of his five, letting them know about how Jesus can save them and how much he hopes that they would trust in Jesus while they have time. Well, I want to read you a text message I got from Rick last week. It made my week. Here's what it said. Pastor Titus, I wanted to share an update with you on my five people you asked us to pray for years ago. Last week, one of my five got saved. He, He was one I would never have dreamed possible. When he told me that, I opened up my journal and I showed him where I'd been praying for over five years for him to be saved. Another of my five was saved last year after I sent him a letter that he needed to be saved. Wow, I just want you to know that Jesus is still in the saving business. And it gives me more joy than riches that God continues to work behind the scenes through our prayer life. It was nothing I did, and I give him all the credit. I love him today, Pastor, and I wanted to share this with you. And I wish Ohio State would play a good team, but congrats on the wins. You guys can disregard that last part because Rick is still working out some bad theology. Um, So pray for Rick. He's one of my five. Uh, The point is this. How awesome is Jesus? Guys, how awesome is Jesus? Rick felt humbled and overwhelmed when he started praying for his five. You know why? Because he knew They were far from God and he could not save them. So Rick just began to regularly pray for the people in his life that God had put on his heart to be saved. And what does Jesus do? He hears the prayers of his people and he rescues those who are captive to sin from the darkness of their souls in this world. So let me ask you this. What would it look like in your life if you simply said yes to Jesus and renewed your commitment to pray that Jesus would do what only Jesus can do? And only Jesus can rescue people from the powers of spiritual darkness. So bring people to Jesus and pray for Jesus to rescue those people. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's make our prayer this morning. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you've heard the gospel, the good news about Jesus, and right now I want to encourage you, if you've never called on Jesus to save you, in faith, would you acknowledge your sin? And just say, Jesus, I'm not able to save myself. I'm trapped, I'm captive to my sin, and I'm not able to save myself. And right there in that place of humble faith, would you acknowledge that Jesus came? 
to live the life you couldn't live, a perfect life, obedient to God the Father in every way. And would you acknowledge by faith that you believe that Jesus died the death that you should have died as a sacrifice, a payment for sin at the cross? By faith, would you recognize that Jesus, though he died, did not stay dead? That he rose again. Would you ask him, Jesus, would you raise me up by your power to live a brand new kind of life? Jesus, my hope is only in you. Call on Jesus to save you, claiming the promise that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will be saved. And some of you, God has placed on your heart maybe this morning or maybe throughout time, someone that you know needs to be saved, needs to be rescued by the power of Jesus and they're not trusting in Jesus. Right now, would you pray? Bring that person to the Lord in prayer and say, Jesus, would you save this person? In faith, would you say, Jesus, be present with this person their name before the Lord. Right now, Jesus, be present with them and open their eyes to the truth about yourself. And then would you say, Jesus, would you show me, show me a step I can take to share your love and your gospel with this one. Jesus, we thank you that you came not to be served, but to serve the people of this world, including us, by giving your life as a ransom to pay the price to set us free from our sin power of spiritual darkness that had us bound before you. And Lord, I pray that we would answer your invitation, say yes to stepping into your mission in this community and around the world. God, would you do that in us? Lord, I ask that you would give us clear steps to take, that we would bring others to you. We live, work, learn, and play. Lord, that you would open up doors for us to tell others about Jesus to show others through our service the love of Christ. And I pray for a harvest of souls in this community before Jesus comes again. And the only way we'll see that harvest, Jesus, is as you do it. So Jesus, do it. We pray for a revival, a great awakening, that your spirit would descend on this community in ways that are unprecedented in our lifetime and that many would be saved before Jesus comes again. Thank you, Christ who you are and all you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.